0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Free Me TV. As promised, as promised, man, I have a beautiful story today with Mr. Mordecai. Before we get into it and before I introduce Mr. Mordecai, I want to give you just a rundown on how I met this gentleman. So as some of you may or may not know, um, I was in Atlanta the past weekend doing a little gig for uh the final season of a show that's getting ready to come out. Everybody's waiting on this show. So um I was up there and I was doing that and and in the process of waiting for my little gig to come up, I see this this black gentleman walking around and he's offering people, you know, drinks and helping people out. And and I'm assuming that he's part of the crew, right? Now, I'm there as an opportunist myself. Right. And that's all I'm thinking about. I'm not thinking about my podcast, nothing at that time. I'm thinking about, man, how can I get me some speaking lines? That's all I'm thinking about. So now I see this gentleman, right? And I'm walking by him and he speaks to me first about my Indian tattoo. Asked if I was Cherokee. I said, yes, sir, I was. And I kept walking. So now I'm in the bathroom and this gentleman comes in the bathroom. And I ask him, because in my mind now, I'm like, yeah, right. Now I'm going to get this dude, and I'm going to plug him, and I'm going to say, man, get me some speaking lines. Go holler at the people. You're part of the crew. Go hook me up, homeboy. So I asked him to break the ice now, right? I ask him to break the ice now. I say, man, what's going on, dog? I said, what do you do here? And what do you tell me, Mordecai? Gentleman comes in the bathroom and I ask him I can hear you but I don't know if they can hear you. That's what I don't I don't know. Okay everybody, I believe I got it. I got it fixed. Mr Mordecai if you want to say something real quick so we can get a acknowledgement from the audience. They'll be so kind. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello world. So Free Me TV,
1: I Radio fans, Spotify,
0: YouTube, Google Podcasts, Bam. all my veterans. We're in there, we're in. We're in like Flint, buddy. Okay, they were going, uh, so they heard my story. So just to recap. You sure? <laughs> yeah, they heard my story. They don't want to hear that shit again. So just to recap, <laughs> just to recap, right? My mindset was there, and when I asked you what you do, your response was what?
1: I'm a veteran, and I do peer-to-peer support, one-on-one trauma counseling for mental health. Uh, veteran uh, and their families, and first responders and their families, and uh, anyone who deals with substance abuse. Uh, so I, would, I actually used the facility where Ozark was using the, the church hall. I used that same hall to do my groups and uh, and counseling sessions in. So throughout the week, and then boom, we just went into you know sharing each other's testimony story. You know, just uh, sharing each other's life book. And here we are. He asked me to um, uh, share with him about my podcast, you know, Spiritual Rehab. And uh, shout out to all my fans who listen to that. Mom, if you listen, I appreciate your support. Thanks for tuning in. And yeah, you know, we, uh, we talked about all uh, various types of things, you know, once we got into each other's past about uh, being incarcerated, uh, being homeless, Relationships, um, just the struggle of uh, dealing with trauma, uh, dealing with dealing with yourself. You know, then we had a good spiritual conversation. You know, uh, so there. Here we are now. So I'm just here to answer questions, and you know what I mean. I'll just just share, man. So I thank God for being here. It's a pleasure. If it wasn't for God, I wouldn't even be here. Period. So I think I think my Lord and Savior. Christ for allowing me to stay alive, you know, to be able to just have this opportunity, man, to to chop it up with you and how we're going to grow
0: together in business and everything. So appreciate it. Amen. No question now. So when I hear this response from this gentleman, it took me completely off guard, right? Because I was not, I wasn't even in that, that frame of mind. I wasn't even expecting that from this man at all. And again, as I've said many times on my show, you always have to be conscious of signs. We're surrounded by signs at all times. And we're surrounded by opportunities at all times. You'll ne- you never know where an opportunity will come from. you know. And if I would have never spoke to this gentleman, if I would have just minded my own business, what happened would have never happened because I don't even know if I'm ever going to go to Atlanta again. So it's 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 seeing opportunities for what they are and and just opening up to people, being kind to people, saying hello, and you never know where that'll take you. So when I heard this, you know, as as you heard Mordecai explain, you know, we got into detail. I explained who I am, what I am, and what my mission is. And of course, he fell right in long, you know, right in line with that. Um, so I I wanted to bring Mr. Mordecai on to explain exactly who he is. I have no idea what he's been through in his life, but I can tell that he's been through a lot of trauma and I want that expressed. So I'm, I'm going to be learning right along with my guests, what exactly Mordecai has, has done, what he's been through, who he is. So Please start with your name. I mean, how, where does Mordecai come from? How are you named? What is it? How is it relevant with, with your family structure and so on?
1: Um, you know, I am, I am just, you know, first of all, I'm a child of God, um, and, um, but I'm a child of a, a minister. Um, my dad's an ordained elder, but I'm also a child of a, a combat veteran. Um, my dad did 20 years in the Air Force. Um, my mother, who uh, is just a uh, a brilliant woman who's, who does who does many things, she she taught me etiquette. She educated me um, before even being educated. Um, but my mom's a very spiritual woman as well, very God-fearing woman. So where the name comes from is, you know, you know, from the Book of Esther in the Bible. And so, uh, you know, just according to my dad, between them is that, you know, that's that's the name that God wanted as well as my mom. You know, wanted me to be. Oh boy, anyway, when I was in her womb, you know, my mom, according to her too, she she almost miscarried me. So yeah, you know, that's where Mordecai comes from, and uh, every lies a crown I must say, but it's a worthy name to grow into. never really used to like it too much. Excuse me if I'm looking away. You know, the rain is beautiful today. I'm looking out the window while uh, sitting here in my apartment. So it's a pretty cool setting. But, uh, yeah, that's where it was.
0: Now, as a child going through school, did you have trouble with that name?
1: Since day one.
0: What kind of trouble?
1: Um, I'm the oldest of three boys. So shout out to my brother, Eric, and uh, my brother, Ethan. Uh, My brother is actually doing uh, some long-term time right now. He's been down 16 years in North Florida, uh, but I get to talk to him. So I just always want to make sure that everyone knows that i never forget him. and I love him. Maybe one day, you know, my voice will reach the walls, and he can always hear that. But we do talk, so I thank God that we're able to talk now. Um, So being, you know, the oldest of three boys, um, I mean, that's responsibility in itself, you know. Watching out for your brothers, helping them when they get into trouble, taking the licks for them. If you don't want to see them get the licks, giving licks. According to my name, I got bullied a lot. You know, my parents, you know, we were very, very structured. Um, my dad was very stern and strict, sometimes a little bit overboard. But um, it it's still made me the man who I am today. Definitely uh, had a part in making me the man I was able to become and being able to go into the Marine Corps and graduate, you know, and come out of that as well. But yeah, we always moved around a lot we traveled a lot and in many different churches and watching my dad sing and perform and us performing and being involved in church. And also just always being the new kids in school, but it's one thing to be the new kid. And then you're the new kid that, you know, your parents dress you, you know, for success. We were very casual. to we hand-me-down looks, but they very, made sure, trying to make sure we were provided for and, and looked presentable, which there's nothing wrong with that. But it did cause us to be teased a lot. Um, and my name did cause people to want to just, you know, me, get on my nerves. Um, thought they could push me around or thought whatever they think about when they hear Mordecai, it was definitely about messing my name up, calling me different names, trying to jump me in hallways because I was quiet, but I was nice, um, but I was also very intelligent. Still am. But a lot of different scenarios when you're moving from city to city. I think the hardest times of a child was when I lived in Washington, D.C. Short period of time, but a lot of... That was a different uh, shock um, of of being a kid and being hated by your own. Mm. Um, When you think, like, I was going to D.C., First of all, we thought it would be the safest place to live because the, you know, because the president is there and you know the White House, and all this. You know, we never saw any of that before, and we think that we're going, and it was completely opposite of that. Um, very, very, uh, being around a lot of angry, young, angry, uh, black children like me. You know, we, but we were, we were brought up to be, um, uh, very universal very universal in getting along with anybody definitely didn't understand what racism was because we didn't practice that didn't want to understand it wasn't um only knew it was aware because you, you realize how people treat you but um but I, i've probably been hated more by my own than, than whites you know and i think that hurts it hurts a lot worse so uh i I kind of got used to that, but then it turned me into more of an angry child as plus we were also dealing with issues at home. So, you know, I learned how to just roll with the punches real early in life.
0: You said that you were more hated by your own than the whites just yeah. because of your name?
1: My name, the way I dressed, the way I looked. You know being smart wasn't enough. It was almost like being smart was being a square. Being speaking properly was was frowned upon. Um. So that that added the bullying as well because then they think that you think you're better than them. And it's not even that. It's, I'm just here in school learning just like you. I just retain the information and apply it. And I'm trying to get out of here just like you, you know. But it. Uh, it causes a lot of friction, but then I was also athletic, so I was also able to get my respect when it came to recess time or PE, you know, because I was track and all this and that, and so, you know, then you get that hated on because you're, you're, you're the best out there, or I'm just being me, and I just always just be, just be me, just doing me, but um, you get tired of fighting after a while, man. I've, you know, I've given some beatings, I've taken a whole lot of them myself, but Well, me and my brothers, we stuck together. You know, we stuck together, so you know,
0: we were like our own little crew. You know, the Miller boys, we were like our own crew, man. We looked after each other. The the first time, the first time you lashed back, how, how old were you against the bullying? Like really lashed back? I would say
1: about seven years old, seven, eight years old, about to be eight. Um. Really start lashing back towards my parents. I say like mostly my dad wanted to be more violent towards him because of the abuse. Um, I would say eighth grade, seventh eighth grade. You know, I, I was starting to threaten my dad. Mm. I liked I like the way he was putting his hands on us. Um, didn't like the way he spoke to my mother. Uh, didn't like the hypocrisy between what he was standing for and what he was doing in his own home. Mm. So I thought, being the oldest, that I had the right to threaten his life as well, because I always a lot of times, thought my life was threatened by his. Life. So um, it was two different types of lashes.
0: <clears throat> you know, I did I did a, a a short episode, um, called "Driving Thoughts," and. I've only done one episode, you know, as I'm driving around, sometimes I, I just have thoughts, you know, and I want to share them. And on this one particular day, I, my thoughts were on hypocritical parents, and how they affect us as children. You know, this, this uh, do as I say, and not as I, I do type attitude. Um, My father was very much the same way, you know, and it, it, it left me confused. And then again, I never had anybody to really talk about or understand why, why was it different? Why can you do what you're telling me not to do? You know what I mean? There was never none of that, that talk. It was just always because I'm adult boy and I, and and you do what I say, you know, and then later on, I would just see him doing exactly what he told me not to do. So it was very confusing for me. You know what I'm saying? And it did drive anger in me. So I, I can relate to that. Yeah, um,
1: you, you know, but like I really thank God for my mom because see, my mom is a writer, wonderful writer. And and growing up, uh, one thing I will definitely say my dad was very strict about was just reading. Um, whether he, you know, beat that in us or preached that to us, either way, understood that reading was going to empower me. Uh, my mother really was very... Um, adamant about us you know being literate and um so I always turned to like my notebook I always turn to poetry um that was like the best way for me to, to really express myself so uh a lot of times that and then of course you know I mean I, I always really dig at least get the concept of praying mm. you know uh which even now when I'm going through what I'm going through right now, it seems if you can get that down as being like a main coping mechanism, then that'll probably keep you I and mean, it probably would have kept me from doing a lot of things I got into, but being uh excuse me. Being being born militant, and then going into the Marine Corps. <laughs> the Marines the Marines really did a number on me. But uh you know, there was, there was always some positive out like there. And then me and my brothers, man, you know, we had each other. You know, um, I thank God for my brothers. You know, they always made me feel important. Um, I know that they needed me and I like it being dependent on and trying to do the best I could to to help them and talk with them and, and uh, be there for them and protect them because there's something about being needed and appreciated as an older
0: brother that really made me want to keep going. Well, I mean, that's, that's what families, that's what family's supposed to be for, you know, to help us get through those times, man, you know, and there's a lot of us that don't have that. I didn't have that. You know what I mean? I I have an older brother and my older brother had his own insecurities that he would take out on me, which would double my insecurities because I was getting it not only from my father, but from my brother as well. You know, Um, I, I was bullied a lot. And I was I was so deep in my shell because my brother used to beat the shit out of me so bad that he had broke my spirit. I had no confidence, you know, and and I used to get bullied so bad, you know, and and I would never fight back. And as my coping mechanism. I just learned instead of getting angry and and um, showing these people that they're affecting me, I'll just laugh at them. You know what I mean? I'll just laugh with them and laugh at them and, and just completely flip the script on them. And, and I guess that was kind of my defense mechanism. So instead of getting mad because I've done that and I experienced that and I knew that I wasn't going to fight, you know, at that particularly young age. um, I, I had to do something because I was constantly bullied. You know, I got I, I had a ragamuffin ear that kind of ha- hangs off the side of my face. You know, so people were always teasing me about my ear. They would find, you know, bullies are bullies, and they're going to find things to right, bully right. you about. You know?
1: Yeah, I, I get that. I had I had crooked teeth growing up, too. You
0: know, so. yeah, they're going to find <laughs> things, you know what I'm saying? And, right. And at first, I used to, man, I used to sweat. I'd be sweating in class, man, trying to cover up my ear or sit at the desk like this. And it didn't matter. They would still... You brought more attention to yourself. Right. You know, so eventually I just came to the point to where. I mean, some of the crap they said was funny, you know, and I would laugh, and and then they would be like, "Man, I never seen anybody laugh when they get made fun of," and I would tell them, you know, what I mean, it's funny. What can I do? If it's funny, I'ma laugh, and and it changed, you know. So I guess in a way. I found a way to to stick up for myself, to stand up for myself, and in an alternative fashion, which I still use, I still implement that same tech, you know, technique today. So, right. how how as a child did you go from being bullied and lashing out? Did you ever did you ever have a transition or an understanding of what was happening or why it was happening?
1: Um. You, you know, my, my dad, you know, my dad, you know, my dad used to box and, you know, my dad, one, one thing we all had like this, this love for was like, at least watching like the action movies and um fighting movies, Kung Fu movies, martial art movies. um So I, I developed having a big love for movies and, and always trying to impersonate. Eddie Murphy and, and, and the different people or just scenes and movies to get outside of myself. But my dad taught me how to fight. He taught us how to use our hands at a very young age. Uh, and I think eventually when I start learning how to apply that, there was, a, there was a weird, good feeling about being able to apply that pain to somebody else. Um, <clears throat> as far as you know, if they're putting their hands on me or if they're threatened to, I would, I would, I would invite the invitation. To meet you at recess, mm. or to meet you underneath the stairs, because my dad at least gave me the confidence in knowing that you don't let nobody push you around. You try to walk away, but it gets to that point. Get the one with the most mouth. Sometimes it's more than one. You know, my dad told me strategically how to make sure that I could defend myself, which made me a better defender for my brothers. And he showed all of us that. But when you're the oldest, you feel like you have to be a lot more equipped and being able to, uh, you know, physically solve a situation if it happens, you know, um, but then that, 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 of course started turning more against him where, I, you know, where I was just like, you know, if you're teaching me not to be fear any man and only fear God, then I didn't feel like it excluded him. Um, but that would be it. You know, I, I wanted to be, if I was going to be the square looking Mordecai. Then, if it went hand to hand, then I wanted to let you know that I, I wasn't scared. So, if even if I got a beating, then I started, or but I didn't go out without a fight, then I was starting to get respect for the fact that I wasn't just a pushover. So, you know, I had to earn my respect in the street by, you know, or, or in the school, or, or when I say the street, because sometimes it would, it would go outside of the street, be, you know, it would go a little bit extension in different neighborhoods. Or, or my brothers came to me, and people were teasing them, and then it, you know, you start getting a reputation of don't mess with him. He ain't scared. Don't mess with his brothers. Or they got a, he got all the they got all the brother. He coming for you. So you know it, it was yeah. kind of turning into that. You know what I'm saying? To where I was using whatever my dad did show me and just apply the fact that don't be walking in fear. You know. So. You know, that's how that got handled. But then even playing sports. And, you know, if I went angry, I'd go in a baseball game and just hit a bunch of home runs. You know, I'd go in a baseball game and make sure, you know, I got everybody out who I wanted to get out. i I'd encourage my teammates. You know, I would channel my energy more into my athletic abilities. You know, uh, whether it come to long jump or something, I might have been real mad about something, i say, you know, I'm going to be the best on this, on this track for the day. I'm going to make sure I get first place. I'd be so angry just to I I'd get first place you know so I started channeling that into my sports um, which made me feel better because it pushed me to be my best in other areas where nobody nobody hated me nobody they appreciated more but my skill, maybe not as the person, but they appreciated my, my ability to win. so I channeled it to become a
0: winner. So, and how would you describe your childhood in one word?
1: Very complex. Complex.
0: Yeah, it's complicated. What from your childhood do you bear with you now?
1: My relationship with God. Mm. Yeah. So. I mean, that's the only way I really made it through. You know, I went out of depression so much
0: too as a kid, in and out, in and out. I was a very depressed kid. What was driving the depression as a kid? The lack of approval from my father. That seems to be all our issues, man.
1: Yeah.
0: So now as an adult though, do do you still see it the same way that you that that it wasn't approval, but maybe it was that your father was just trying to make you tough because he knows what being a black man in America is? Or was it yeah, something I different? It. Um well
1: I also know my dad, he is a combat veteran. You know what I'm saying? My dad was a military police officer. He did many things in the military. You know, I find out more now as we're older and we do have a relationship and we're able to talk. Um, well, I mean, but obviously, too, you know, my dad had PTSD, well, strongly then. You know, I'm sure dealing with PTSD had a lot to do with it. He probably didn't have a name for it. It was unrecognized, yeah. It was unrecognized. You know, he, you know, he had a father, you know, and he came from a family that also would beat him, you know. So, I mean, between generational and, and then being militant and then seeing the things he saw and things, I'm sure my dad at times got flashbacks and all that. And there was things that maybe us as a family triggered him and then he was uncontrollable. I mean, the Holy Spirit's not always inside that much. You know, And uh, if you want to put it in a word, like, you know, people would try to act like because they teach the word that it's always in them. It's not. Um, so, you know, at times you got his flesh and you would get angry and and maybe they just even know how to really express themselves, be emotional or feel. Um, and, you know, as a black man or as a man, period, but if we're going to just culturally speak as a black man, we're not taught to really express our feelings. Just take the beatings and keep going. Or like they say, take the lickings and keep on ticking. Um because that's our heritage, right, that we just get to get beat. And then eventually that flows into, you know, our families. You know what I mean? We we think we do that to our kids or we do that to to our wives, you know, whatever, uh, verbally, you know, know, verbally or physically, you know, it's like a
0: it's a horrific normal. You know, I'm glad you brought that up, homie, because I've heard that my whole life, right? Um, Black people don't Black people don't talk about their feelings. Black people don't communicate about their feelings. Black people don't go to counseling and you damn sure ain't going to see a black person in front of a white therapist opening up about their problems. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So you're you're taught this as a child that just suck it up, buttercup, right? But now how, how are you dealing with that? Because you're bringing God into it. So when... When had, when did God become noticeable in your life as, as a figure that you could rely on to get you through some of these times?
1: It took for my dad to let's see in high school. Me and my dad got into a physical education. It wasn't the first time. Um and I wasn't able to come home. Mm. I came home thinking I was gonna come home and my bags were already out. Um, and thank God for the friends and all, you know, that that helped me through all that. Shout out to everybody who, who at Gator High School and Tampa, period, has supported me through my ugly times, even before, dumping me down the line for becoming a cocaine addict. Um, but, I was locked up at 18 in Hillsborough County for putting my hands on a Caucasian male at the time. It was very racist. And uh, uh, two violent crimes, a aggravated battery. It was, the other one, like, it was like a burglary thing because I did it in his house. Um, made it my business to find out where he went, went into, you know, where the door was open. So I just ran in. Mm. um passed his mother ran in and gave him one and then by the time i got back to that home where i was actually staying at a friend of mine who i played football with uh the goatee family um and his dad was a marine i had a big big impression on why i wanted to become a marine by the way uh but anyway yeah i ended up going to jail Uh, The police officers—they arrested me in front of them, and that family was also a Caucasian family. So, you know, not all of us are bad, no matter what culture you are. There's good and bad fruit in all the trees. So, um, but anyway, I end up being there, end up getting out on bail because you know, students and peers raised money to bond me out, uh, cover that. Uh, Get me out of that situation, but the judge, of course, was just ready to send me up the river. Mm. Uh, But because of the testimonies of the other students and uh, peers and teachers, uh, I believe it was about 50 people, if I'm correct. I mean, I'm still trying to, sometimes my memory's not the best. Uh, But I believe it was at least about 50 people, I think they asked about what kind of person I was. Um, so I barely grad, I barely, I barely graduated. I almost didn't graduate because of that, but I got me out of there. Ended up the charges got dropped. <clears throat> the white boy didn't even show up. Matter of fact, I never saw him again after hitting him. After I hit him, I never saw him again. Never saw him again. Not even though, not even for me to want, even later down the line, I wanted to apologize to him for that. I never got that opportunity to reconcile, um, but 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 I did obviously end up I guess showing him what he thought of me anyway. But I was just very angry. I didn't appreciate that disrespect, and there was a lot of other things that I was dealing with. You know, like I said, home was accumulating a lot of heat. Um, I lost my scholarship that I for college that I received in sixth grade in Washington D.C. because my grades were starting to also drop. Um, just because of, you know. The effects of the household and and me just stopping, just doing the bare minimum, didn't want to excel at the highest anymore, just doing whatever, you know, just doing the bare and also working a job, stuff like that. But I was locked up with a uh, a dude that was killed for murdering his wife. Mm. When they threw me in the cell with this other guy, my first cellmate was a Caucasian dude that killed his wife with an axe. And I was like,
0: my God, how did I get here? Hmm. So. How old were you when you were confronted with that?
1: You mean as far as being in that situation? Yeah. I was 18. I was 18 years old.
0: So, So. Well, let me ask you this here. How would you deal with that situation now if you had an individual that was in front of you? Um Antagonizing you the way that that individual was that day.
1: In a counseling session, just as comrades were talking, if I was in prison, and and it, and it was in a situation where it was threatening, it depends what jungle you're in. depends on the genre, bro.
0: So after all of that altercation, you're 18 years old, you know, you're going through all of that. You're in a very dark and and angry place, right? Mm-hmm. Do you have any, any motivation? Do you have any goals? Do you have any, like, what is your mindset as far as, or, or are you just living day to day?
1: You know, at that time, um I was just really lost. I didn't yeah, I asked god to to release me, but I also was asking God, you know, God I was like you you call me Mordecai, and look where I am, um. I don't blame this on my dad, even though I was mad because I was like, okay, well, maybe if I was not kicked out the house, I wouldn't be doing crazy stuff. But, it, you know, it, it, I, it was so many different thoughts. Uh, I realized where my anger had gotten me. Uh, and, and I was just a sober when I did that, and, you know, because I, I started drinking and smoking weed, you know, young. But I wasn't drunk that day or whatever. I was definitely drunk with anger. That's definitely possible to be drunk with. And so I definitely wasn't consciously, I didn't care. I didn't care anymore. I snapped. But I hurt somebody in the process. Um, according to what was said, you know, I hurt him pretty bad. I, I didn't, I didn't see. Um, but, but the conversation that I had with the guy that killed his wife was pretty interesting was actually a pretty nice guy. And he snapped too. He could relate. Oh. He really couldn't even explain like like how he really got there to do that cuz it happened so fast, but mm-hmm. he regretted it so bad. And we actually prayed together every day that I was in there with him. Um, I don't understand how that happened, but I think it was because he would see me reading the Bible. Mm -hmm. Um, And the the guy at that time, he was was like 39, like a year older than what I am right now. So he was not even 40 yet. And uh, he ended up going to prison, of course. But he told me that I was going to make better decisions and do better in life. And that at least I had people, you know, and peers that were trying to help me. But I also remember my dad coming to visit me and asking me what I was going to do with my car. I was like,
0: dude,
1: what I'm going to do with my car, that- you coming to visit me, asking me about what I'm gonna do with my car, and and here I am thinking that you're actually gonna come talk to me, right, and tell me that it's gonna be okay, or maybe even you, you know what I'm saying, apologize for putting me
0: out, something. But he was worried about your car.
1: He was worried about like my car, where it was gonna go, like who was gonna have it, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Because you know too I, I was on the, his insurance or whatever. I was paying it, you know I was paying him and all that, but I didn't ain't didn't, I didn't give a damn about that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying I, that's, I'm like
0: dude, I'm locked up. you know what I'm saying like what you even is it for really? Man. So how long were you locked up then?
1: Uh, uh I stayed in there for about like two two weeks and I was bonded out. Almost two weeks I bonded out they came up with like $2,500 and 25000 was my bail mm-hmm. Um, and and then a friend of mine whose dad was pretty well not pretty but he was rich and he ended up taking care of the rest of my collateral cash mm-hmm. and and then ended up sending a limo for me to get out of jail with my friends but then they had a big shindig at his mansion and stuff He was cool and I guess I just also made a good impression on his wife who to volunteer work with him that's doing the fair office you know so shout out to the Malou family they were a blessing in my life mm. you know I, I, I didn't even know his dad I knew his son Well, I knew of his son but I really knew his wife because we just connected about conversating about just life and everything and he said my wife told me I had to get you out of here mm. so um you know that was
0: that was that was God right there of course did you recognize that at that time? Yes, I did. Yeah. I did. So at this time, you already had an affinity, you know, with, with God, you already had a relationship. Um. But, but so how how did that, where did that spawn at? Where did the relationship actually spawn at, is what I guess I'm trying to, was there an incident or where was it that or was you just always, was your family just raised that way to just always believe in God?
1: My parents always told me
0: that I needed to believe in God and believe
1: in Christ and his power and his walk and to know God for yourself that they weren't always going to be there for me, of course. And that throughout life you'd be in situations where you will have to really get to know him. Um, Certain situations of life will force that conversation between you and the creator, identifying yourself with who you are, what you're here for. Um, You know, I've been baptized at a young age. I, I didn't really understand that. I really felt like when I did that, it was not because I understood that that had to be the process of salvation, but I did it also because I was told to. Yeah. I didn't. Understand like even what happened to me when I received the gift of the Holy Spirit. I didn't. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand that it, would, it was even a gift. I just it happened, and I was like, okay, you know. But I think again where I've been, uh, I got locked up in Cobb County before a uh, terrorist threat. I got into an altercation with some police officers because. In between that sandwich of going to the military, being discharged honorable from the Marine Corps, and, and then um, going into depression, start getting into drugs real heavy. Um, and I was, definitely, I was also a promoter of clubs and nightlife, but really getting the drugs heavy. And I ended up slitting my wrist in my father's house in his bathroom, um, which was more on purpose. And that still didn't really work the way I thought I was going to. But I also didn't want to live anymore, it, 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 anywhere. Um, I was dealing with those type of thoughts and not sleeping well, having flashbacks. So um, even stemming from all the way from boot camp, you know, just a killing mentality. I didn't want to have anymore. Um, with that type of switch, I'm a O331 machine gunner infantry. So, um, uh, Just learning how to be trained to kill somebody in different ways is a crazy way of thinking. And then you mix that with being angry. It's like the default of how you want to handle every situation. And I didn't really like that type of thinking. So I just didn't want to live anymore. and But that's what brought me to Atlanta, where my mom was actually staying in Marietta at that time. She wasn't aware of my usage in cocaine. She was aware of, you know, my drinking and, and smoking weed, but she wasn't aware that I was doing powder. Even before she, when she came to visit me, when she was going through some things herself to get away, she came down. I was actually even selling it for a little bit, not like on no big scale, but selling it to make it a party favor at times for me and dealing with females or or just because I knew people liked to party and they liked to have it, and I got caught up in it. And she didn't know that but when uh, she came and got me I was out of rehab <clears throat> i got, got out of rehab she came pick me up brought me to Marietta. i lived with her but then all that start coming out so then you know my mom had to deal with me importantly as well she she wasn't supportive of that um i I'm, I'm gonna have to say you know at that time even being around a certain individual that my mom was married to at the time was actually in it was kind of it was not kind of it was enabling it to mm. and she didn't know that she didn't know she didn't know and I wasn't man enough to tell her uh what was going on either um uh, because I was trying to you know look out for him and you know how dope to look out for each other you know trying to thank you all cool and all that the, the day you know he gave me help um but you know it came out anyway you know what I'm saying um things will be exposed when it happens so I, I end up getting into a lot of legal trouble here. Um, and then Cobb County's waste Well,
0: so what? What age did you go into the Marines?
1: Oh, uh, eighteen. I was eighteen. Uh, I was eighteen because right after I got out from being locked up, uh, I entered the delayed entry program. You know, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life I definitely. Um, didn't have the grades to really go to college. I mean, I probably could have went to community college or whatever, but like I said, the family that I stayed with, his dad was a Marine, and then I was like, okay, I can just go in the military, get 20 years out of it, and then do, do something else, go to school, and do something else in my life. So, but I didn't want to be the Air Force one because my dad was the Air Force, and I was just like, I really wanted to even show him that I was tough for him by going to the Marine Corps. Um, It was all about, we were always a lot of times trying to show
0: my dad that I was better than him. Mm. always trying to earn his respect.
1: Yeah, I was trying to earn his respect, man. So I'm like, i go in the Marine Corps, you know, show him how tough I am and all that. But then also just show myself how tough I was. I really needed to do something that was really going to challenge me to feel important. Mm. And I figured the Marine Corps would do that.
0: So you're going plus I love the the uniforms. (laughs) (laughs) So you're going into the Marine Corps right to to prove a point um of respect to your father, uh you're going in um depressed uh unsure of yourself, and that's crazy. My dad was calling me while we are
1: doing the show,
0: oh yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, who knows if he's watching or now. Shout out to you, Dad. I love you, man. I don't know if he's watching Netflix. we we spoke to just boy. try to call me that's crazy,
0: so Dang, yeah. So yeah, you're angry, you're, you're you're volatile, and you're going into the Marine Corps. Um, tell me about boot camp, man. You go in and break it down to me, brother. What's the Marine Corps like? What's it like going to boot camp in the Marine Corps, man? Is it like that movie? Oh, what was the movie? Oh. What's the movie?
1: Uh, what's the movie? Oh, what do you, what do you, what do call it called though? Full them. Metal Everyone Jacket. Everyone talks. Full Metal Jacket.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it like that?
1: It's yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It's it's it's. They did a decent job, you know, about about, about putting out the merit uh in the movies. Um, you you definitely do get people that are. I mean, of course, some of it was still Hollywood, you know, but uh, of course, but as far true. as the intensity and and people wanting to, either kill themselves or uh being broken to where they want to quit. Uh yeah, yeah, I was just complimenting on my post on the other day. Um it tell was him about the show,
0: man. Tell him about the show. Tell them to tune into the show, man. Send them the link. Send them the uh, link to the show. Let
1: me see, I wonder if, if uh let me see. Let me
0: see. Get him on the show so he can hear you, man. Hold man. Oh, on. A whole it. bunch of people are right now asking me about yeah, you see mom, what she saying? She ain't saying nothing. She quiet. She just listening. <laughs> She's saying a whole lot. She just ain't typing. She just ain't <laughs> typing.
1: She'll do what? Um, yeah, she just ain't typing. But you know, I, I love my you know what I, that's why I really love my mom. I think, you know, if it wasn't for like I mean, even when I was like in these in my dark times, and I'm gonna get back to what you're saying about the boot camp, but my mom was always there, man. Even even though at times, like, I had gotten mad at her because I thought, like, she should have took up more for me when, like, I can't even get kicked out. But my mom was just very respectful for marriage. And maybe she was even, you know, a little scared of my dad, maybe. Um, It was just like, you know, here the head, whatever you said, goes. You know? Uh, and I, I could never really blame her for that. So I, I couldn't stay mad at my mom long. I, I was for a little bit, but, you know, I get it. I get it. And and I got it young. You know what I'm saying? And and, and my mom, anytime she beat me, it was just because I deserved it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it wasn't like she just wanted to abuse me and she didn't she she just hey, it was just telling the mama had to get you behind. Yeah, yeah. Um but but as but as far as being there for me, you know, getting me out of rehab and not judging me and not making me feel like that. I still wasn't like a worthy son. Mm. Um she, She's just always has been encouraging. Always good for a hug. Always good for for um for um, complimenting me. Good just job. Me. Good yeah, job.
0: Man. You know, good um, job, um, Mom Dukes.
1: Good tell job. Me tell me I'm handsome when I was ugly. Uh. You know. Uh, promoting me to be a model. You know, my mom really pushed me to get into modeling. I did that for a few years, too, you know what I'm saying? That that changed me for for the better, for the good. That was good for my confidence, too, as well. Yeah. You know, my mom always believing that I could be in the entertainment industry or somewhere, and not just because of personality, but just because of look. And, Bella, you know, it was, I could be get paid for being presentable. And, you know, I try to keep my body up and stuff. So she just always found something good to say about me, not to make me feel ugly, even when I was always trying to be ugly to
0: myself or feeling that way. That's beautiful, so, man. That's what moms do, uh, man. Good moms lunch. know. Moms know how hard this shit is. Yeah, she she definitely does. So so boot camp, but yeah,
1: so boot camp. Yeah, I, I say boot camp. First of all, the getting yelled at, you know, it 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 was it bothered me, you know, and it triggered me. It made me think of my dad a lot. But that also is what pushed me to make sure I passed. Because my dad, he liked to yell, you know? He liked to yell a lot. Not just because he even went on the the pulpit or preaching, but he, he liked to yell. So, I mean, even in that aspect, you know, when they would get yelled at, but they're very intense with it. And they will call you everything in the book to try to diminish you, to keep you from performing. And um, and then the physical aspect of it, you know, I never rappelled off buildings, towers. I never, I swam, but I didn't have to swim with gear. I mean, there were so many different obstacles to obstacles to learn how to accomplish at a fast rate. Even though I knew I was going to be there for three months, Mm. uh, with with barely having anything, you know, the bare minimum of food, and 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 you know, it's just another intense way of surviving um you know i i i saw people in there even you know that died because of the intensity on their body or maybe they weren't in good health and they got through however it was it was an intense level of stress which was how life can be mm. very stressful you know but so so a lot of times i i i, I prepare life in boot camp to even just give myself the confidence that i can get through it um, but but I got funny stories about camp and I wouldn't, tell, I wouldn't care about talking about it now because they can't like indict me or nothing about it. But, you know, just to have something to eat, you know, there was a lot of people that would try to get caught in going inside the chow halls late at night, like really using the skills you're learning to break into a chow hall and, and get food. Uh, I was woken up one night with a cheesecake,
0: and I wondered how that happened. And then mean, I partook what, what, on that. What do you mean you was woken up with a cheesecake? <laughs> I was woken up with a piece of dessert, bro.
1: You don't have, that's like the stuff that the drill instructors eat and everything like that, you know what I'm saying? When, when they eat food, we, we were eating, we definitely weren't eating cheesecake and, and cookies and, 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 and subway sandwiches and Krispy Kreme donuts. Okay. Unless you, stole, unless you stole it. And you know, in the military, you know, stealing is just not allowed, bro. Right. But, um, a couple of my recruits at that time were were waking up in the middle of the night and and paying fire watch to to count them as being counted for, and they were you know technically going into the Chow Hall and stealing food to eat late at night because we weren't eating we weren't eating like that we were eating but we were we were nibbling you know what I'm saying so we were hungry you know what I mean hungry 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 enough to do what eventually I ended up doing myself mm. so. Um, I, I did engage in that type of activity to, to feed me and the other recruits, but I, 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 we started paying for it because uh started gaining weight. <laughs> and that was making the training a little bit tougher because I started feeling the weight. The other guys just, you know, yeah, you're eating at night, but you got to work that off the next day. You start feeling like you're not moving how you're able to move and you start actually appreciating the fact of why you eat portions. But, you know, eating late at night and gaining weight and then... Straight carbs. You know, probably should, too. Yeah, yeah, and then think you're going to perform, you know, yeah. and then the next day. Is <laughs> feeling
0: sluggish as hell. Yeah. You know.
1: Crazy, you know, but uh, what ended that was, you know, some co- other recruits got caught the others on the other side of the island and, and so I told them, kill the mission. Mm. Say kill it before we get caught. And you know, I you know, they respected me. You know, what I'm saying I, I was a leader in boot camp anyway. I was I was squad leader for a while. At that time, I was actually squad leader, but I wasn't squad leader when I graduated. But uh, I got uh, PFC real quick in infantry school. But um, you know, I told them, I was like, "This is dead. Forget about it. You know, everybody was just gonna work, keep finishing this out. You know, it was fun while well, it lasted. If we don't stop now, we're done. And I and I didn't want to be booted out and, and walk in that type of dishonor and you know, because I'm mom off or anything like that, you know, if I had that had to happen, you know, me coming home like that, you know what I'm saying? Like getting keep out of boot camp because I wanted to steal Krispy Kreme donuts and cheesecake at
0: night, you know. Is this the first time that you're really away from home? Away from your mom, away from your dad, by yourself on your own, making your own choices, doing your own thing?
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, no, from home, you know, like I said, when I was still in high school, I, I was still staying. When, like, I stayed in two different households where where they were my friends and their parents took me in because I couldn't come home. I even tried to ask my dad. I tried to come back
0: home. I did. I did. But my dad didn't want me back. But you still were around parental figures, you know. Yeah, right, 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 for the figures. But as far as, like,
1: being on my own, yeah. Yeah, Marine Corps, was like, that was it. That was the first time ever. Like that. But it was my, you know, I had work ethic and stuff like that. I've been working jobs, paying bills and stuff in high school, you know, and all that. But yeah, being on my own, a whole nother state, um, there's only having to a fall back on. Right, yeah, nothing that's nothing the thing. You,
0: Nothing to fall back on. You're are thrust into the world, and you're thrust into the Marine Corps, and you're there to figure shit out. So after the two weeks, like, how how does graduation go?
1: Um. As far as graduation for, for boot camp, from boot camp, um, first work. of all, yeah, it's it's thirteen weeks. First of all, it's oh, it's 13 weeks. thirteen weeks. Yeah, man, boot camp is you know Marine Corps boot camp is the longest and the toughest, bro. You I know, I thought so it was that, two
0: like, weeks, man. I thought it was two weeks, or is that the SEAL training? I don't know. Man. No, you you kick you kicked that to the
1: Air Force, I believe. There, you know, that week boot camp my dad did. Um. Okay. <laughs> You know, um, I, I'm not sure about the army. You know, shout out to my dad, my other dad. You know, William Van Hooks, army veteran. You know, so I'm not sure of their length of time either, but I, well everybody knows the Marine Corps boot camp. Thirteen boot camp weeks. Training. Okay. 13 weeks. Yeah, but that graduation was, you know, hey man, that was I earned that. I earned that. Every inch of it, every blood, sweat, and tear of it, I earned it. I earned that. You know, I always wear that experience. Nobody can ever take that from me did nobody ever even tell me I didn't do it because I did it in the government. Knows it. Um, my mom didn't recognize me. <laughs> she walked right by me when <laughs> she was at the graduation. Her and my dad came, but she walked right by me. Like she didn't recognize me. I, I had you know, put on some muscle weight. I had, I had been transformed. So, and my demeanor was definitely, I had a killer look. I definitely didn't walk out of there with a smile uh still have that 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 bearing, which is hard to get rid of that that I'll kill you
0: bearing what was it that switched you? I mean what part of the training does that to you that that takes you from that just that angry little boy to a stone cold killer in thirteen weeks?
1: I think it's when you get pushed so far that you really think there's no other choice but to understand that this is it and I'm not going anywhere. If I don't learn this, I'm not going to get out. If I don't learn this, I'm not going to survive. And there is also a possibility that I could die in here. There is that possibility.
0: That's the same. I mean, see that's the same. That's the same.
1: Yeah, and, I, and and the thing is, is I caught pneumonia. You know, I almost didn't graduate there because I actually ended up with walking pneumonia at boot camp, and I had bed rest for like a week. Um, and I and and then I still had to watch my recruits drill and everything like that. So I had to play catch up. So just to still graduate on time, so it was more intense for me to have to catch up, beat pneumonia, and then you know what I'm saying still graduate with my class because I wasn't trying to recycle. I wasn't trying to. Nah, uh, and, and at the end of the day, it's some it's something about being a, you know being willing to accept that, you know, I will not be broken, and and even if I am, I'm not gonna let anybody know. I'm just gonna rise above that, and, and that uh, and then if God put me there, then that means I could do it. If my feet landed on that island, it's because I was meant to graduate. And um, I excelled. I, 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 I did things I never thought I'd do before. And my confidence just gained. Hey, it just gained. You know, and since somewhere down the line after that, I lost that confidence. but But I still... You know, as a grunt, you learn that you just grunt, man. You just eat mud if you gotta eat mud. You dig a hole if you gotta dig a hole. I mean, you kill if you gotta kill. I mean, but I think it was more about killing the old me. I had to kill myself, you know, even to become something that they trained me to become. And then just throughout life, you always gonna have to Kill something of yourself that would kill you first if you ain't careful. And I think being becoming a marine was the best thing in my life, even though I'm not getting paid for my PTSD or, um, you know, for the for the reason why I was discharged, which I, I developed PFS in my knees. Um, which is now developing into a lot of arthritis and I have a lot of different injuries, you know, from the training, the infantry training, even after that becoming a machine gun is very intense. getting assembling machine guns and weapons in, in in a certain period of time under fire, under stress, being able to still efficiently perform in 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 warfare situations. Um
0: so Did you see any action? Um, I got discharged
1: before going across the water. Uh, the only thing I saw was the beginning of 9 eleven um, considered like the beginning of the global War on terrorism. Mm-hmm. So you know I had I was actually supposed to actually go to okinawa and 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 then because uh, I I wanted to become a sniper uh, and then I was supposed to go to Afghanistan and, and I didn't and that was one of the reasons why. My, uh, when I got injured and then I was told that I just didn't matter to the Marine Corps anymore is so how I took it because I wanted to get in any other field. I said, well, change my MOS. No, no, no. And I think because of 9-11 happening, machine gunners are a very light, you know, small number, you know, um, and they said that they would need me. And if I wasn't 100%, I was broke. They called me a broke Marine, mm. a broke Marine. They called me broke. That crushed me. I did physical therapy, tried to get back right. And the doctors were saying, you know what I'm saying? It's just not treatable. You know what I mean? Your knees are going to get worse. Your PT scores are dropping. And, you know, then I just felt worthless. Then. And I felt worthless for a long time after that. Because um, I definitely didn't have any plan after. My plan was 20 years. That's all the plan I had. Mm. Whatever they told me to do for 20 years, that was my and when that guy got shortened, less that's four years.
0: <laughs> hmm. So, now your discharge—you put you put all of this into into going through this boot camp. How, how long of a length of time was it between, you know, boot camp and discharge?
1: Uh, right under under three years,
0: so almost to three year
1: mark. Um, so I was like. 62, 63 days of a three-year mark. I spent almost nine months in physical therapy. Um yeah. Mm -hmm. So I didn't I didn't reach my full four-year term. Um I did uh was promoted. I was promoted, you know, but before I got injured, like right after boot camp, and then like my first. Less than 30 days of being in infantry school, I was promoted to PFC uh, because of my my skills and and learning and being efficient in 50 uh, caliber and how I was testing and how I was excelling so fast. And then this was just you know them telling me me I was just taking the training very seriously. Um, at that after that after that. That's all I wanted to do was kill some, but be the best. I mean, cause
0: even that too, I was brought up to be the
1: best in everything.
0: Would you say you became bloodthirsty, trigger happy, all, you know, all that
1: Um, trigger happy, really my thing was, I really love the knife exercise, man, hand combat. Um, and that was really because like I said, me and my dad and growing up and my brothers, you know, martial arts and stuff like that. So learning how to use my hands and my legs, and my elbows and knives. And learning how to you know we use that to take the enemy's life and the enemy means I guess and whatever
0: is the threat foreign intimacy and, um, <coughs> and, and you're question. told and you're told what that enemy is right you're told what that threat is
1: yeah anything that's a threat to this country <laughs> or anything that's a threat to you Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because even, you know, even Marines, we get in fights with each other. You know, sometimes we all got we all got that ego to the point where even when you get in a fight with a Marine, like one Marine just may hate the fact that you're excelling and they may get out in public in a bar. And then there's a female that's hollering at you. Now, we may end up getting a fight because we're drunk or whatever like that. But then as soon as like as soon as someone else starts to mess with one of us and they're not a Marine, we'll start fighting each other and then attack them. You know, so it's 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 you know, and yeah it's a it's a devil dog situation, you know. We got different names, devil dog, jarhead, mm-hmm. you know, um leatherneck, you know. So, I mean, but you really get a devilish way of of thinking and as far as just it's 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 just a violent way of thinking, man. You know, I mean, you're just ready to do something so wrong to somebody if they wrong you. And it's such a
0: hard thing to turn off. Yeah, I understand. Now, um, you didn't make it the four years. Is that significant towards anything?
1: Yeah, me, because I didn't even feel like I finished. I mean, even if I wasn't going to do 20, at least finish for a year, my contract, you
0: know what I'm saying? So that's what was weighing on you was the fact that You're being told that there's nothing that can be done. You're out of here, you're a broken Marine. So after that gets finalized, what happens? Where do you go? What do you do?
1: They put me on a gray on bus and send me back to Tampa, Florida.
0: Just like that. Just just like that, they want no transition and how they're mentally decompressed. How long did that take, that process?
1: hey told-
0: they, they, they kicked me out
1: faster than it took for them to let me in. Dang. It's, it's, it's fast as it, it, was, it was a faster honorable discharge. Like that administration, they was, it was faster for me to be discharged than it was for me to go through the process to become one.
0: Did you say dishonorable discharge? No, I have an honorable. honorable. Oh, oh honorable. Okay, I was going to say. That's- yeah, no, I got an honorable discharge. So that's it, man. They used you. There's nothing you can do for them. They're done with you. Goodbye. You're back in Tampa, Florida now. Um, with a whole new game plan that you that you, weren't even prepared for.
1: Yeah. The only thing I knew is that I better get to work. You know, my parents taught me about just at least getting a job. I had a job in high school. I knew work that day. You know, I understood that, you know, grinding, everything like that. But, you know, I had some money in the bank. You know, I still had some money in the bank, you know, between boot camp and then getting paid, you know, because I'm getting paid through all that. You feel me? You know, I had some stacks in the bank, but, you know, I did set up a little life for myself. I ended up becoming a roommate with one of my best friends, that, at, 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 who at that time was my best friend. And then we, you know, our, our relationship, our friendship, you know, was ended up being fractured and broken. And, but, but I ended up getting into my own place. y'all. You know, uh did, you know, attempt getting into the whole modeling thing. My mom started helping me find different casting colours and things like that. I had a girlfriend at the time. Uh oh, very beautiful Puerto Rican girl at the time. Uh <laughs> oh, but anyway, uh I ruined uh, I ruined that friendship I, I and that relationship, you know, even just when I came back from boot camp, she knew I wasn't the same. Matter of fact, I scared her. I was scared her because I couldn't sleep and the things I was saying in my sleep and stuff like that. So the trauma of PTSD and the, the how can I say, the, the it's, not, it's not normal to be taught the things that they teach you, you know what I mean? that's, it's, it's just, you know, but anyway, um, I was always like lashing out, getting angry fast, you know, it didn't take much to set me off. But then I, I started drinking real heavy, you know, smoking weed a lot, I hadn't reached the cocaine part of it yet. I was in sales, sold cell phones. I've always really been good in connecting with people, like putting my issues or hiding them, which you learn in church too. Learn how to hide yourself, make it seem like everything's okay. So I learned that pretty good when I was a kid, but it never really helped me eventually.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, because of course, it's just, you know, compression. But then the Marine Corps, they just numb you, bro. Ain't no feeling nothing, you know. You can't feel anything to kill somebody. So it's almost like practicing, like becoming, having a hard heart in a way, but I've always just had a heart for people. I love people, I really do. I just had a hard time really loving myself for a long time because I didn't like what I was becoming.
0: Mm.
1: But I can love others better than myself. So yeah, I got into sales and stuff, promotions, you know, whatever was gonna help me be able to make money. And uh, the VA rejected me when I tried to go, like, talk about my mental, because I didn't have a disability <laughs> rating. So, since I didn't have a disability rating, like, they, you know, they didn't, didn't want to deal with me. So, oh, I was just trying to, you know, just working this job, working this job, you know, trying to fit into, you know, you're coming back, you know, from high school, and, you know, people are, you know, already somewhat still thinking you're that cool homecoming king guy. Mm. Or, or or they think you're tough because they know you got the core you know and all that you know at the end of the day man you know we were all jacked up everybody just doing drugs and partying that, that college life i was caught up in and i never even went to college you know didn't even know i could maybe even use a GI bill then and go to college um fast forward well
0: that's that, know, that, that, that was my question like they the military, as they're putting you out, they didn't offer any solutions. Hey, listen, man, this is available to you.
1: Let's no resources. Get resource you into
0: to this program. Problem. Nothing. Just uh, nothing. Mm. Nothing.
1: <clears throat> and you know, when you come home, man, you're just another nigga, man, to society. I'm gonna say that straight up.
0: They send you home like a prisoner. I mean, that's how they sent. That's how they sent you. It's It's the same way, bro. They put me on a bus way, same the same to Tampa and told me good luck. <laughs> same
1: same thing. I hope your DD-214 works for you, buddy. Yeah. Because they don't treat you honorably when you get out. You know, when you sit down in an interview, man, and someone asks you, so what, what did you learn from the military that can help you apply for this position?
0: And you're like... <laughs>
1: oh man you, you know you i can show you i can show you better than i could tell you and then they're just like oh so you're you're you just know how to kill people you know i i hear your marines are crazy you know that's how they talk to you bro. it's like even having a record of being marine is just as bad as having a record of being a
0: felon. yeah especially with all of this going on now you know all of these shootings and whatnot you know people People are feared of of our military now, our soldiers. Again, I'm, I'm, I don't even want to get into that too much, but again, this is what right. media media is doing to us is is right. is creating stigma that's creating a roadblock for you, Mister Mordecai, because now they're seeing you as some deranged PTSD uh, killer that. I don't want these people in, you know, I don't want this kind of dude around, you know, my office, you know? What happens if if he's not doing his job and I have to let him go? I don't want to go let this guy go, you know? So they'd rather not even put themselves in that position, you know? And they'll smile on your face and say, well, we just, you know, we think that you're not suitable for the job. You're not a good fit. You're not a good fit, you know? (laughs) You're not a good fit, yeah. So how is your confidence level at this time? I mean, do you still feel like you could succeed and you could still move forward? Or are you just getting to the point to where you're like getting just completely discouraged?
1: Um, You know, at that time, it was just, you know, excuse me, I'm just going to get a charge, you, But yeah, of course, I'm getting discouraged, man. And then still, man, trying to look to see how my pop can help, you know? You know, I, I I watch my I watch my dad right. This used to like just really upset me. I I watch I watch my dad like and and then he would brag and talk about. Well, I don't know if he was bragging, but you know, to me I take it as bragging because whatever you say that you were doing for other young men, you weren't doing for me. Mm. So you know, being a mentor and all and doing all this other stuff, and you got a son right here. Matter of fact, you got three boys.
0: Mm. So, tell me about the cocaine, man. When when did the cocaine start coming in and affecting your life? Uh,
1: you know, like I said, being in the scenes of, um, let me make sure I put this right. Be- being being in the scene of, uh, um, you know, that nightlife, man. And 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 for a long time I wasn't dealing with that. You know, I didn't even see people do it now. I, uh, I was just, you know, eventually I turned into that go-to guy. If you have my number, uh, you know, just being able to connect. You know, hey Mordecai, you know anybody that does this? Yeah, I got you. Here's your number. Tell them I sent you. Uh, hey Mordecai, can you hook me up? You know, you know if I did something cell phones or whatever, yeah, I could hook you up. But even if it was like, hey, after a while, hey, what club, which, where are you going to be at tonight? What, what kind of specials you got going on? Hey, hey, well, can you, you ain't going to be there tonight. Can you still call the club owner and tell him to hook me up, VIP? You know, ooh, yeah, 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 tell them I sent you, you know, what's up? He'll give you a special, you know, tell him to put it on my tab, even though I went there. Or after a while, then, two, hey, wait, where, 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 where can I get the best weed, bro? Um, And then eventually it turned into, you know, Work out work out and get the best coat mm. um and even though I didn't do it you know what I'm saying I knew where to get it and then eventually you know my, mine's happened more in like a, a sexual type of episode where you know it was just it was tempted to me from a female to just do it off her body and I thought it was just gonna be one time just to have a fun night and it turned into a deep hole, but it was a fun night.
0: Well, cocaine's fun, you know? And, I, and yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not putting it out there as, as something to do. I'm not glamorizing. To glorify, it. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean?
0: But But I am a firm believer, again, in responsibility. And knowing what it is exactly that you're getting into, and understanding what it is and responsible use, but we don't do that when we get into the drugs because there's no education there. We're not educated about it in school. We just see it periodically, and we learn about these things as we go, you know. And yeah. cocaine is. Fine. And then you know, I mean, you
1: hear about it. You hear it about you hear excuse me. You hear it about it too, like in the music and everything sure. you listen sure. to and all that. And just then they make it around, sound like yeah. it's fun. Yeah, they make it sound like it's fun. And then you know you see people doing it like oh they're like they're having a good time you know what I mean and all that and and then really to be honest with you I was looking for something to numb me a lot better than weed and drinking that that wasn't strong enough
0: anymore right and and that's that's the the perception is that these people that are out having fun while they're high on cocaine or whatnot they all have issues that they're getting away from you know right. and it's I guess maybe that's, that's the difference, like understanding, you know, OK, I had a night of fun, but I can't get sucked into this because I can't just run from my problems every day, you know. And I guess for the drug users that may catch this video or or however, because there's a lot of controversy on that. There's a doctor out there now called Dr. Uh, Carl Hart, where he wrote a book and he's a daily this is a, a brain a brain surgeon a, you know a neurologist you know and he uses heroin every day and he advocates for it because he does it responsibly he does it by dosage and he's happy doing it so i don't discourage anybody for for what it is that they do it's just understanding that this can get out of control very fast if it's not understood for what it is you know right and and just like yourself myself and so many other people that have been fighting lifelong addictions we use it as 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 an escape tool because it helps us escape you know and we never want to go back and face that reality and then before you know it 30 years goes by all our teeth are gone and we're a completely different person and we're still running from the same issues you know right and I
1: think you know when, you, when on the spiritual sense, when you start realizing what becomes your god, you know what you start idolizing to 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 make you whole or whatever. Um, where where that's like, can you still hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, I guess the things like beep and let me know it might be. Low, Mm -hmm. but um, and I'll just switch it off, but yeah, you know, with that, you know, with that being said, it's just that can't be the answer. And, And for a long time, that was my answer. Oh man, I'm going through this, whatever. Well, let me go get a bag, I'm gonna figure it out, but I gotta go get my bag first, you know, and then if I go get the bag, then I gotta go get the chick, then I gotta go get that drink, then I gotta go get the weed. But but I made sure that I made enough money from the club that night to make sure I afforded all those things and you know, quit my bills. And, and you know, I, I budgeted it for it to be an answer, but it was like, you know, like how you keep a pack of cigarettes. And plus, not only that, I ended up smoking cigarettes for a long time. I, I started smoking tobacco in high school, but in the military, I went from Black and mouse to Newport's or Marble Ridge. That was just something we always did in the field too. Smoking cigarettes, so I also smoked cigarettes, which I don't anymore. So, you know, so many layers of, of addiction, just for me to deal with myself and and after a while, you know, eventually you're you gonna hit a
0: different bottom. You know what I'm saying? And mine ended up S- being, you know, suicide, so. Well, sure, because I mean, <coughs> you, you run out of options and you run out of alternatives to escape this, this, this dilemma, you know, so what, what was it exactly? That you were just having the issue with was it was it the fact that you didn't know what to do with your life? You you went into the military to to kind of show your dad up, and now you didn't that didn't happen. So is all of that is what is weighing on you?
1: Yeah, you know it, it was a mixture of a whole lot of things, man. You know, I mean, if anything, it was like I didn't know how to cry out for help. You know what I'm saying? Because you're a killer. Uh, right. You know, you like, oh, I can do this. You know what I'm saying? I'm a Marine. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm going to beat this, like everything, you know. Um, but, but all through them years, too, I, I wasn't, uh let me turn this so. off. Can you hear me? I can't hear you. All uh, right. Yeah, so I, I wasn't. I wasn't praying at all. Like when I like even reminisce and I think about it and I can literally now see like a the, 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 those times. Mm-hmm. There was like no communication with God at all. Like honestly, none. i like, I would barely even pray for my food. Um, and I, and I, and I see that once down the line like say when i got to atlanta and i got locked up in cobb county um and this wasn't the time that ended up sending me down to prison but even though that's a different environment to be in it's something about imprisonment that will humble you was supposed to but that will humble you and then if you have it on the inside and you and you stop exercising, you know, your faith to, to believe that he has you, he has you here for a reason. The one who made you has you here for a reason. It's not, oh, I'm, I am I had to get out of the fact that I'm not here to please my dad. Even though it says to honor my father and mother, so your days will be long in the earth. I'm not here, I'm not here to identify who I am through, through what they think about me, or what anybody does, it's you know, and my you know my thing was like, I know I'm here for a reason, well, not, but at the end of the day, what drove me to suicide I was like, I'm not doing anything with any substance. I'm not worth living, you know. I don't, I don't I don't deserve to live. So, and what was crazy when I would get locked up, I would end up being that prayer call dude. Like, you know, I want to be to myself. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be bothered. Prayer
0: on, call. Man.
1: Prayer, prayer call. call. Prayer call. You know what I'm saying? And <laughs> I, I I end up being that guy. Not even on purpose, but I didn't mind taking up that, that role to bring hope. I didn't mind it. I accepted it. Even everything that came behind it. Sometimes guys wanted to fight that guy. They might have lost. Yeah. But at the end of the day is no one really likes a spiritual leader in a place like that, especially when you're wearing the same colors as them. But,
0: you know, some, but some people like when, when you and I were talking about that, you know, some people some people won't step up to take that leadership role, but they appreciate the, the motivation to, to go. You know, I've had guys that would tell me that if it wasn't for for prayer call guy to call out prayer call, they would never go in and pray. But they do because the man calls it. Now, if the man doesn't call it that night, nobody else steps up and, you know, takes takes the reins and they just take a night off, you know, but I think I think what it is, it's. You know, we used to make fun of these guys and, you know, yeah, they would go in a prayer call and they would all sit in there and hold hands with each other and, and pray together and then be fighting with each other the next day, you know, and it just came to realize that it wasn't so much about the religious aspect of it, man. It was just, it was just an opportunity for anybody to go and feel love, even for a small moment. Just where everybody was in the room together and it was a positive situation, positive words were being spoken, right. um, nobody was angry, everybody was humble in that moment, you don't get that in prison, and I'm sure you don't get that too much in the military either.
1: Right. So
0: it's, it's you know, when I started looking at it like that, you know, and stopped calling these people, oh, man, you're a hypocrite, this and that, I was the hypocrite. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm judging these people. Right. And I'm not even really understanding why they're even going in there and doing what it is that they're doing. I'm just assuming, you know, that these people are just fraudulent, you know?
1: Right. So and what's
0: crazy is that I related
1: to what I do now. You know what I'm saying? And I I see it's such a crazy irony with it. Because before i started doing the support groups now uh shout out to the birdwell foundation mm. you know um veteran-owned organization uh, world war ii veteran uh christian guy and and being in and, and his vision of being able to supply the support amongst veterans and their families and do it also from a spiritual aspect you know and, and encouraging a, a relationship with christ to to help you with your walk through your traumas you know, and then, then serving by giving them to communities and helping each other and finding resources for for our families to be able to be empowered and to keep us from killing ourselves literally because of suicide the suicide rate for veterans and even their families but for veterans you know what i mean and all that I was doing research on the personnel, like while people are still active in the military, they're killing themselves. Some of them don't make it out because they took themselves out before even getting discharged. You know what I mean? It's ridiculous about suicide now. Even anyway, to this day? Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, on my show, I started talking about that before our computer blew up. I started giving those numbers out because I was promoting the first week of my group happening and everything. So, you know, I was I, I, I researched those numbers on military personnel in have taken their life while they were serving. They, so it also tells you, you know I mean? There's there's no help within the, 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 the inside the, the military. I mean, or, or it's not being encouraged to be a part of your life, to deal with yourself on a weekly basis while you're doing whatever it is you're doing for this country or to figure out what's going on with people while they're serving. Let alone when they get out, and then you don't have no. Re- I mean, good God! I mean, for like the Air Force, I believe it was um, just the Air Force alone. I think it was like last year, and this is like in the middle of the pandemic. The numbers I saw, uh, it was like a hundred and thirty some people had killed themselves hmm. just in the Air Force. I mean, I'm like, okay. I remember them reading. showing
0: a little bit on the news, but they yeah. they they clipped it off the news quickly after about the second or third uh, 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 suicide. You didn't hear about it on the news anymore. Yeah, it's, it's, it,
1: but so, I mean, anyway, you know, and, and I'm just taking all that fact, but as far as, you know, what God said to me, you know, when it came up an opportunity to be able to 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 do, to give back. Because even what I do right now is, is, is volunteer status. You know, I just received my certifications by passing my, my exams literally not even 30 days ago. Um, and in the midst of even me struggling just to, you know, hold it down for myself, you know, but all in all, he was like, if I could use you while you were in there, while you were an enemy what makes you think I'm not going to use you when you're out? Mm. And I know that it's still my calling to go back in, but in a whole nother aspect, not by going in, by getting in trouble, because thank God I just got off probation officer a few weeks a couple weeks ago you know what i'm saying so i mean those those type of shackles are coming off my ankles now for it's been years i've been on probation i still got one probation officer left um and i call in once a month pay my fee brought my fine down you know the spill but i was like all right god cool you know what i'm saying I, i i get that you know I get it. So I really had the training of doing what I'm doing now when I was in and didn't realize I was going through that spiritual training. Mm. I just wanted to be of service. Even being an inmate, I just wanted to be of service to my fellow brothers. Mm. That was it. Because I needed the hope as well. So I figured right. if, if one person's coming up to me and said, will you pray with me, bro? Because I don't know if anyone else in here wants to pray. Yeah, dude, I pray with you, man. I pray with you, bro. I pray
0: do with you. Do you think Do you think he was doing all of that because, like, deep down, you're you're just looking for love. You're looking to be appreciated, um, loved as as just a, a human being and and seen as valuable in some sort. No, I mean a small part,
1: but really. I saw my dad do that for people. No matter how much, you know what I'm saying, I'd be mad. I was mad at my dad for all this and this and that or whatever, you know. And, then, and there's no man of God that's perfect. Mm. I had to get to that point. That my dad was, he had flaws. I had to grow up to realize that at least my dad wasn't a dope head. You know, my dad didn't drink. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he, he was a military man. You know, I watched my dad preach the word. Yeah, you know, I mean, mean, overall, I had a good pop. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And my dad, I saw him pray with people. I saw my my dad be appreciated for giving hope. Mm -hmm. I can't complain about having a dad like that, even though he had flaws that people didn't know about. And at the end of the day, I was like, it was because I was trained to do that, even if I didn't like, Indirectly, it being taught, you know what I mean, like or whatever. I saw my dad do these things, and so I know that the power of prayer can help people in in a, in a present time of trouble or a low space. And and I knew that if there's anything you can give anybody, it's just a little bit of your time to care. Yes. That could be that could be the <laughs> biggest thing to somebody, man. That's bigger than winning an, an Olympic gold medal you know so especially when especially when you're in prison we
0: we got we got mom duke's on with us i don't know how much she knows about this and how much she she don't and how much you know is if this is news to her so um do do you want to go into the suicide or yeah i mean my mom
1: look my mom knows me man my mom knows that I'm not ashamed of who I am and who I was, because it's all of who I am. My mom, she knows that. And if anything, I know my mom's prayers and her encouraging me to just keep just keep on keeping on is, is the main reason why I'm here, to be able to have this, this interview, and, and hopefully it reaches and touches somebody, you know what I'm saying, to just keep going. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my mom, she was, she was there for me in, my, in my, my addiction. She was there for me, still is there for me. And, and, and me coming out of rehab the first time and, and just being able to pick up the phone and I could call her even while I was in different rehabs because I've been to about seven of them. Mm. You know what I'm saying? In and out here between Georgia. Though I've only been in two of them in Florida. But you know, between and Georgia here in Atlanta, man, I've I've been to the stankiest, raunchiest state ones to the lavish ones for private insurance. You know, um, so no, nah, I don't mind that. It. Um, it was it was a scene from Godfather. I saw. I don't remember which one. When when do slid his wrist while he was in a tub. Remember that one? Mm-hmm.
0: I think it was Godfather. Is that the second Godfather? I or can't so remember, one? man. It's been so long since I watched those, man. Oh, I think it was the it first one. You're talking about the, yeah, I think it was the first one.
1: Yeah. When he was in the tub and he slit his wrist, it was mm-hmm. like, I don't know which one it was, but that triggered me to go ahead and try it out that way. Cause I tried the pills and the drinking, but that didn't work. I literally woke up and I was, Oh my man, my kidneys were, Oh, my, i had the pains in my side but i was just like dang it didn't work I so, really you, so you
0: up. tried multiple times
1: yeah yeah just nobody knew
0: so the first they time just, the first time was when
1: the first time was still in 07 they were really within a month apart i did it in the same month it's just the one when i slipped my wrist in my dad's bathroom was of course you know physically done and could be seen on the outside and of course you know uh was was found. I want to say I was found by this dude Taz that was 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 also, you know, somebody I communicate, I worked with at that time, and who stayed um, for a little bit uh, were, were with us and then didn't anymore. And I, I, I really, it's kind of blurry. I can't remember. Then I, I do know eventually my dad ended up showing up, and my top, my wrists were wrapped up, and I ended up on an ambulance. But I also remember my dad saying he was embarrassed. Mm. He said he didn't say that, but I know he did. But he also has apologized for it if he said it and he didn't remember. But I heard that faintly when, when the people were, you know, EMT was asking him, like, you know, who is this your son? Or how, why did this happen? And I heard him saying, like, I don't know why he did this and stuff like that. Yeah. But I'm sure there was a scene, you know, because, you know, People know who, you know, people who do know my dad, they know, you know, he's a man of God and stuff like that. You know, So I'm sure, yeah, it was embarrassing for him, but, you know, whatever. I didn't care at that time, but obviously, even around that time, he didn't, he visited me for a short period of time one time. So I didn't know, I don't think he really understood how to take that, and he was probably still dealing with his own stuff. Yeah. But still, you know. Um, so yeah, you know, that. that's how that happened. But, but, I made, but I my baby brother, man, shout out to my baby brother, integrity insurance, but you know, my baby brother, man, I'm so proud of him he he came and visited me while I was at Baker acted, and he said to me something that always stuck. he said, big bro, he was like, big bro, I love you, man, He was like, you know, you're still my hero, and uh what I don't understand how you could do this to yourself and how you did it, but the same drive that it took you to do it, if you take that same drive that I know you have and you apply it to something positive, it's limitless. what
0: That's what my your brother said to you.
1: My baby brother said that to me. And I promised him I wouldn't do it again. I promised God that I wouldn't do that to myself again, no matter how hard it got for me. And I've never tried to kill myself ever again. And I won't. Mm. And then, you know, I got a beautiful son now. You know, he's five years old. I wouldn't, I mean, if I had actually, you know, did that successfully, <laughs> uh, I, I would have never had my
0: son. Mm. So... Yeah. Uh, uh, afterwards you you know you made this promise to yourself that you were never going to do that again but would 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 those feelings still arise in you would you still feel like you can you could go to that place if you allowed it Um, was the root problem being solved
1: no that was just tip of the iceberg but i knew that i would i would that was my way of saying all right god what i'll do is is I won't go that far. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I won't go that far. You take me when you want, but I'll just try to get better.
0: So what did you do? What did you do when you got to that same point to where in the past you would have thought about committing suicide, but now you're you're thinking about what? I mean, help the people that, that are in that same position alter their thought process. How did you go from not thinking about suicide and applying it somewhere else?
1: Obviously, you know, the training had to keep going. I had to understand the system just like, I mean, you understand the system because we became a part of it. Right. And so me being labeled then as once I did the counseling and everything and the psychiatrists and all that and, even being put on drugs, you know, <clears throat> with all these side effects, which, which also a lot of times can give you the suicidal thoughts as well, mm-hmm. you know, the antipsychotics and all. But because then you're, you're just a guinea pig, you're just an experiment. And that's one thing, you know. I was you, on
0: Prozac for three weeks, man.
1: Prozac for three weeks. Well, hey. You After know, about
0: the second and a half week. I started. I started contemplating suicide because, and 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 I'm not a person that thinks about that, you right. know? But the Prozac altered my thought process and numbed me down so much that I, I just didn't even want to live. I was like a zombie. I couldn't think. I was sluggish. I just wasn't myself. And I and yeah. I and I got off it.
1: I've been. Serquil, Double Coat, Prozac, uh, so many others, lithium. Um,
0: mm. boy,
1: you are not hard stuff, boy. Trezodome, Trezodome, you know. Yeah, all the stuff that it gets you Zuzu and Whamwams in prison because everybody would rather just sleep their time away.
0: Yep, and that's what I they call it. I couldn't Zuzu's even go wham-whams.
1: I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't go to the store all the time, so I had to have a hustle. Yeah. So, you know, I had to cuff the pill in the mouth to break it down into little milligrams to sell it like a like some dope.
0: Mm, And just so I can, you know,
1: just so I can have me a little, you know, icy white honey bun or, you
0: know, have me a nice, you know, pocket, you know. (laughs) I ran numbers, man. That's that was my hustle.
1: Really yeah man that and, and making bombays and stuff with the stuff in there i can make a bombay and crush the saraquil or put the powder of anything in there and whip it and that be in your drink so they get the hide and come down and crash so good and go to sleep
0: mm.
1: you know but anyway yeah man you know so you go in through the system and you go to these rehabs and you see how the, okay the case managers worked and. Uh, you know, uh, 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 how, how the the group therapy works, uh, how the one-on-ones work, uh, you know, and, and where the flaws are in the system, you know, and then you're mostly talking to people who are just educated with degrees that only, Oh, say I empathize with you. You don't relate, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, you, and they always asking the same questions over again. After a while, you've been on so much drugs, you can't remember how you answered maybe a last time or so many years ago because, I mean, after a while, it's just this vicious, mental, up and down just cycle of trying to, you know, get out of it. You know, they don't promote, really, spirituality. I mean, it's really about of God, of how you know him or they want to push the dope so much, mm. you know what I'm saying, to to have you not really function so you could just be an easy check, 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 check. Seems like push Mark the dope. Calm. Push the dope. He's right. He's eating now because the dope is making him eat, but right. I'm not eating anything healthy. It's giving me the munchies. I want to have sweets all the time. I'm gaining weight that is out of my control. I don't want to work out anymore. I can barely remember what I'm reading or writing. Or any conversation I'm having, let alone that makes me an insufficient husband, which now she hates me because I look like I'm weak to her, because you know, I'm supposed to be a strong black man, but now she feels like she's gotta take care of stuff. On top of that, I'm on probation and everything else.
0: Mm. Do you feel like it I mean, do you feel like anybody ever cared? Do you feel like they would they would yeah, they're giving you the medication or whatnot, but Did you ever feel that somebody truly cared for Mordecai and his issues? Gotta
1: slide one or three in there. There's always somebody that... Is a beacon. That God will put in your path that will be able to relate, and then they're not even the counselor. They could be the cafeteria lady. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It could have been... The, the, the people that just monitor you every day to make sure lights out and stuff like that. It's never the professional. It's never the professional. It's definitely never the doctor. There's so many doctors I wish I could smack. Mm. But, you know, it wasn't worth getting locked up over, but... Yeah, there's so many doctors <clears throat> I wish I could smack. I mean, I really feel like if I had a doctor in front of my name, that I would just do a way better job than them. And I definitely wouldn't push certain drugs. I'd be against it. Just because you have the power to distribute doesn't mean you just do.
0: Again, like everything else, man, it's in moderation. I don't take pills. Right. I do not right. take pills. I'm not taking no vaccine. I don't take pills. I don't take nothing these people give me because I know the agenda behind it and it's not for care and it's not for betterment. You know, if you see me take a pill like an aspirin or or an ibuprofen or something like that, man, I am in serious, serious pain, almost damn near ready to go to the hospital. And I just want the pain to stop now. Other than that, I just try to let my body work through it. You know, I focus on it. I concentrate on it. I meditate on it. I pray on it. Nine times out of 10, that's all it is. And that's all you need.
1: And 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 really the the weed is cool. You know what and I mean? Like I like cool. smoking weed. But but then when you but when when they're probation officers and they piss testing you like crazy and they're putting them stipulations on you, uh, but then they'll go ahead and make it okay for the for whatever the prescript for whatever the prescription drugs that a doctor would give you. Yeah. All you know, all yeah. right. Because, okay, that's prescribed, but if you piss hot for weed, you're going to jail. You know what I'm saying? So um, even during the pandemic, I wasn't able to get the pills I needed to my house. I I I mean, the pandemic stripped it all to where I had to depend on prayer, aftercare counseling, just to say I did it even for probation, but to at least get out something and then reading the word and then reaching out to the healthier people in my circle now and, and completely not even talking to any of the, anybody who just wasn't even positive towards me at all. I mean, my wife is not the most positive to me, but her being the mother of my child, that holds a piece to, to me feeling more alive. But it's not her, it's it's my son. My son sees this great man, he sees his daddy, and there's something about knowing that being daddy, that or or even when there was a disconnect where I couldn't see or talk to my son, but knowing that I'm I'm going to make sure I take care of myself the best I can and become better because there is someone that I have brought into this world that believes in me. Mm. So you know, I'm not on Coke now. It's been almost five years now. I haven't been on cocaine um antipsychotic wise you know I, I i get those pills delivered, but I ain't taking them. you know, I have a claim in you know you gotta have certain things on paper to say um we have haven't i just got off probation, but I still haven't smoked. Mm-hmm. you know what i mean um but it's been like. Over a year now, I haven't. Um, cigarettes, stopped smoking last year around February. Um, and and the stresses I'm going through right now, I really already know that a lot of that is not going to help me. So, I mean, as far as tapping into my network and then me being responsible to my group and knowing that I'm helping others and that others are... The ones that I judge, you know, they don't judge, you know, we're just healthy, trying to still do what we do, but mm-hmm. we're trying to stay efficient. And my one-on-one counselors, I do that myself with the VA. I have a chaplain I talk to. I have a counselor I talk to. You know, I always, you know, find time to talk to my mom because she's just positive and I love her, you know, and I know she loves me. Um, my baby brother, you know, but just having a better, and I work out, I try to, you know, I go to the gym now at least at least 3 times a week i didn't make it 3 times this week but twice on the worst case scenario but just now dealing with things on a more positive coping level and knowing that it can be done and then just helping people along the way uh i i just choose you know it's it just gets easier to choose the the higher ladder even if the ladder's a little short it's higher than where i i know i don't need to go right and then I have my podcast. My podcast is like shh, haven't been able to do it, but like my podcast and knowing see how the power of God works through that with people, you know, interacting and being touched by my story. Yeah. Um helps.
0: No, there's a lot of people out there, man, that need to hear what you what you've gone through, um, how you've survived these things. And that's that's why I guess I want to probe you on these because you're borderline, you're borderline between life and death. You're skating on that thin ice, you know, and and I guess I'm just trying to see what that, that small little featherweight was that just kept you barely to the life side. You know what I'm saying? Until, until that light hit, you know, and, and you realize, like, I'm Mordecai. Do you know what that means? Do you know what Mordecai means? You know what I mean? And, and, and things change because the person I see now is nothing what I've, I've heard has been, you know, so I'm meeting two different people, yeah. you know, and for me, man, I mean, that, that damn near brings me to tears because I know the struggle that we go through as human beings, man, nobody wants to be bad. Nobody wants to go to jail, nobody wants to be an addict. Nobody wants these things. We just don't know how to handle or or or, or put together these puzzles that are are confront, you know, put in front of us every day because we just wasn't given the skill set to do so. You know, And people can say, oh, you're blaming your parents for this. You're blaming your parents for that. That's not what it's about. It's about ownership and it's about understanding what parenting is, right? Parenting isn't just having children. Parenting is having children and teaching these children how to best survive in the game of life and if we don't have that skill set we're going to we're going to fail miserably because when we leave that house as you found out going into boot camp nobody cares about you nobody cares about you not one person when you leave that house and this is what I how I think of my daughter and I try to prepare my daughter like you know Chris Rock says it best in his in his comedy like when when son when you leave this house don't nobody give a shit about you and that's the truth they're going to act like they do because they want something you have
1: right you know? right
0: and 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 as long as you're providing whatever it is it, you could just be making them feel good but somebody always wants something and that's why they're they're around you know and we learn this and it crushes us because uh, somebody like you somebody like me millions of others we just want to feel appreciated we want to feel recognized you know and and know that we're just cool we're not nerds or dweebs or or whatever but like we're cool for what we like
1: you know cool for what we like cool for what we wear You know what I'm saying? And I don't have to dress
0: like you. I don't have to act like you for you to like me. You just like me because you just like me. Well, not only that, you know, even when it comes to doing drugs, you know
1: what I'm saying, it's almost like I'm cool because we both do coke, you know what I'm saying? Or I'm cool because we both, you know, we both can go half on the eight ball, you know, or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Whatever your vice is, you know what I'm saying? Um, I mean, I got on whippets a few times. I, I was like, well, well, God. Uh, you know, but um, uh, you know, it never anything like anything like beyond that. But I have friends that did that that I saw that weren't even cigarette smokers and then end up going down heroin and all this other stuff. And they passed away and they, you know, they overdosed and didn't even get the C25. Um, it's crazy, maybe not even 21 and stuff. And then here I am, I'm like, man, God, I'm still here, you know, what I mean. Even the last time I did cocaine, I, it was the night where I got tased by two officers. They didn't know I was high. I was really being calm. I understood the provokingness of I me mean needing to be calm or whatever. They said there were veterans trying to make the situation seem like it was a comfortable situation. But then they, you know, then they, they infiltrated the ambulance out of 1013. And, and I thought it was a gun, but it was a taser. But before you know it, one thing about that military training, if you, you feel like you're in a threat, Sometimes I would feel like. Sometimes you may feel like you forgot something. You ain't forgot it. I disarmed that officer so quick and pushed him out the back of that and that ambulance. Before I know it, another one came in behind me, choking me. And then I disarmed him and pushed him out so far. You know, he he claimed his arms was fractured, fractured his shoulder or something in the report. But then, when I tried to run, because really my son was five months that that night. He was five months, and and I went out. And instead of coming right back home, you know what I mean, I, I stopped and got high and I shouldn't have. I was actually, you know, clean for like 30 days and I shouldn't have. I don't know why I got high. I know why, but I was like, damn. Well, anyway, when it happened, you know, it was like in front of It was in the parking lot of the shelter where I was homeless at like years ago. But I went there because subconsciously I go, this place is safe. And he said he was going to call the police because I was like, I said I was off my meds and I was, I went on my meds, but I used that instead of just saying, Oh, I was high on cocaine. I was tripping. So, but I was also having like flashbacks. Like my mom was gone it, to this day. I don't even think it probably, it probably, it probably was mixed with something else to be honest, because I never had the type of trip with Coke and, and I, and, and I just trusted the person I got it from. But anyway, when they got there and then after all that happened and I tried to run, the first officer hit me first and then the other officer was like, hit him again. So two officers tased me at the same time. And right. picked, picked me up and slammed me on my face. And then the EMT lady was like, I need to check his heart. You just uh, tased him. yeah, And whatever. Yeah. And they they smacked me on the face and said, that nigga is still breathing. Oh, that's what the cop said. Yeah. But that was the last night I did coke, bro. Ain't touched it since. September 8th.
0: That's good, partner. That's yeah. good. Now, do you ever do you ever feel like there's something you want to go back to? Do you ever have any urges, triggers, or anything that you notice is around you that makes you think about it?
1: I really would like to smoke weed sometimes because it chills me out. I have a different elevation of silliness and funny if it's around the right people or even if it's just with myself mm-hmm. i feel like it opens up my creativeness a little bit more but i really just like the way it slows my mind down because my mind just moves at such a rapid rate
0: mm-hmm.
1: that, that at times seems hard to control and i can't even explain why it just always does which mm-hmm. Which to be honest, which I know it's only the power of God that what I'm going through right now personally, and that I'm able to not turn around and just go off to the races, is a miracle. Um, and in a way, I'm challenging myself to just dig deeper in faith to see if it's if it's really that real, to to have a peace more than the norm, or 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 even just when you want it, or as you're going throughout the day, and dealing with other people and all that i'm just i'm really trying it to see if it's possible and i'm seeing that it is but at times i do really feel like i would like to smoke weed again Um, or even the cbd i have tried a lot of the cbd drops and things and it works uh i think that's a good a good thing thus far from just personal experience
0: you need to move to florida man come get your mmu card
1: Matter of fact, uh, matter of fact, my wife, my wife, uh, put it out to somebody about me getting the medical card here. I got the email that, uh yesterday. Does so, Georgia
0: have it. Can you get the medical card in Georgia? Yeah,
1: but there's only like one person that's doing it throughout the whole state.
0: One person I, in the state. Right.
1: One person in the state that's that's doing that or whatever, and we just happen to just have a big connection with with somebody that that that's uh that has a that has two pharmacies that's able to provide that. And they they really using it too really for me because they know I'm a veteran.
0: Right. Now how would that affect probation?
1: Oh uh, well, the probation actually that I got off of that it would have affected them. Now the probation I'm on now where I'm at low risk and I call in they don't they don't piss test me they just want me to call in on time and give them some every month. Mm. But but they uh, on on my restrictions on that they don't have the CBD restriction. The last probation that I had it was nothing even CBD. Mm -hmm. I told my probation officer I took CBD for a whole month, and she's like, well, I'm not going to violate you because you didn't know. Mm -hmm. But she's like, it's in your special conditions. You can't even have CBD because it has a a hint of THC in it, and we'll, you know, we'll be able to detect it. Yeah, so I didn't, but I'm just saying, you know, if I did it now and me even having the medical card, you know, and be able to do some CBD or get the oil and stuff like that, you know, actually
0: if it'll keep me healthy, um, I'm willing to do it. So what's your biggest hurdle today? Where's where's Mordecai at today? Where's your your vision at? You know, Um, what is it that that you need today? I guess, um, you know, just. Just who is Mordecai now, you know?
1: I'm definitely the person that God showed me in jail that, that I would be, um, but it's on a small scale still. Um, uh, of course, you know, like a lot of people out there are having financial issues and situations and also dealing with uh, trying to uh, hold on to a, a marriage that's challenging to hold on to. Uh, which which trying to do that feels unhealthy for me, um, but we're doing counseling now, um, so so I'm still that warrior, and that's what Mordecai stands for as warrior, uh, one of the meanings of it, and and then Mordecai in the Bible being a man of the people. So I do quite a bit of community service, uh, uh, just just. Just about a month ago, you know, I said, uh, I stopped doing the food boxes that I was giving out in Atlanta. I was doing like food box Tuesdays, but I had access through the partnership of foundation with a church where a veteran is a pastor and they were getting, you know, 1400 food boxes in a week and, you know, being able to get back, a, uh, I I killed my van obviously because now I don't have a vehicle anymore because my van motor died, but that van served a lot of people in this city, uh, it's the city and, of Atlanta city of Atlanta, yes, in, in different ways because I would just gas up, you know, after work I gas up at the job. I can't even go back to right now because of doctor, doctor's orders, but I gas up after work every Tuesday, go pick those boxes up, man, and, and go run 32, somewhere different. Somewhere mm-hmm. different. Or I had drops because I developed relationships with people in apartment complexes to be able to drop eight to nine or just come there and let loose and end them out and you know if they had if I could make it then I would make a second trip but most of the time it was just to do 32 boxes 33 boxes to 60 boxes a week and that was my thing and I really enjoyed doing that um you still do that now uh no you know the government cut that program so it's now it wasn't up to the church it was it was the biden administration that cut that program for the USDA boxes to be uh, still be able to be have access to, so that families out here can eat. And
0: uh, that was stupid. The Biden uh, administration, not 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 this Biden administration, not for the people, Biden. Yeah, well, you know, they, they according
1: to the church, they said it was a political thing because the program was actually done under the the, the Trump administration, it, and and so they they cut it. And I still get people calling me right now asking for those boxes. Uh, there's about seven different apartment complexes I was serving with that from cartersville all the way down to riverdale georgia you know well, the saying? hunger don't stop that's for damn sure yeah the hunger don't stop you know what i mean and if i had the the, the money or wealth i'd be doing it myself in some type of aspect but you know the church is still trying to find different ways to raise money to do things and they're they're trying to get some things done you know
0: to, to, how, the how much how do. much money are you talking about how much would it take to to get that back up and running
1: I really don't know, man. I haven't done the calculations, and I'm not even on that church board. And I haven't done the numbers. I know my mom had told me that there was a lady, or oh, my cousin had told me too, that there was a lady up there in Evansville, Indiana. I guess she does the uh, feed Evansville, and that lady had to raise twenty thousand dollars just to be able to, you know, put food out into community. So I mean, I, would, I can only imagine, you know, they were just really in Douglasville, but I was taking the food from that church, driving from Douglasville, and then driving into Mechanicsville or I drive into uh, uh, anywhere that needed it. I go in Clayton County. I go right here where I'm at. I'm in Southwest Atlanta right now as we're airing this. I'm right here by Farrowman Road, Old Cascade, and I go off of MLK, you know what I'm saying, and go in these apartment complexes I've never even been in, but they know that me buys the food box guy. Mm. I still call those people up too, just to holler at them and see how they're doing and check up on them, the ones who I have the number. and And then, you know, they appreciate that. I even just call and check up on them even though I'm not bringing food, but, you know, in, in all these churches around here, you know, but as far as who I am, I'm, I'm working on maintaining my, my sober mind. That that way, the wisdom that I ask for can be downloaded and I can put it to use. I'm definitely a loving father. I love my wife, no matter what the feelings are and, and how things are going to work out. Um, but I'm proud of who I am from where I, I'm not anymore. I'm a good friend to people. Mm-hmm. And I'm a better brother. My brother just left here, you know, from being here a few days ago, uh, for the past few days. And 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 my brother also wrote an email from prison saying how he's inspired and in knowing that even when he does get out, because we're believing that he will get out and 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 whatever I have to do to advocate to help that happen. I'm willing to, but that because of me changing, it inspires him that you can have a life after being incarcerated, and so uh, at least I'm bringing some hope to my brother um and you know i'm i'm just I'm just here to 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 help anyone i come in contact with who's well give with the
0: people give the people your sights um how to get a hold of you.
1: Um, yeah, so you know, if you guys ever want to check me, you can go to www.mordecailive. You can also go to Perkai Investments on Instagram or Pier and Properties as well. Mordecai Miller on Facebook. Uh, my email also is mordecai.miller at birdwellfoundation.org. You can catch me at Peace Street Corners. Uh, Georgia on Thursday nights from 6 30 to 8. I do go into 8 30 range, but, uh, for peer support counseling, if you're dealing with PTSD trauma, you know, mental health, substance abuse, you want somewhere safe to talk about what's going on. It's free at no cost, uh, veterans and their families, um, and, and first responders and their families, or just anyone who has that situation. If you need treatment, um, and, and even if you have insurance, we can get you into retreat behavioral rehab, uh, which we have a partnership on that's all along the East coast. So inpatient or outpatient accountability services that you need. I'm currently about to finish up now. Thank God for uh, Thomas put me on with a brother named Lee Robbins who's doing a lot of big things with re-entry mm-hmm. uh, for incarcerated people, re-entering men, but working on the women as well. But as far as me talking about the brothers, um, uh, and I'd be, I mean, brothers period, I'm not talking about just me as a black man, mm-hmm. but as far as, uh, you coming out of incarceration and needing life coaching and also needing the resources to be able to, uh, you know, to build your life back, whether it be with jobs, whether it be with, uh, housing, whether it be with, uh, uh, becoming an influence in society so, so that we can empower each other and, and help. Um, keep all these things from happening to us for unnecessary reasons or, or, or just being able to rehabilitate after our bad decisions or uh, messed up situations that, that we've been put into or we've created for ourselves. So, uh, yeah, you know, y'all y'all check me out. Spiritual Rehab by Mordecai is on iHeart, Spotify, Google Podcasts. That's my radio show. Um, I'm on those platforms. Uh, me and Brother Worship Uh you know, we just want to uh, uplift people, Um, and then also, you know, uh, I use that for advertising. You know, businesses that are doing great things, or people who want to come on and talk, as well as like what Thomas is doing with me right now. Uh We're currently can't get in the studio because of lack of equipment. Um, and and you know, uh, if anybody out there want me to try to be an extra in something, you know, like my brother Thomas here, you know, I mean, I'm available. <laughs> I'm, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't look all ugly and dark and, and 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 gloomy like I used to when I was out there on that stuff. Yeah. So you know, if my looks can get me somewhere to open up other doors for other people, I use that. Just, you know, it's just a blessing to be here still and be able to have this opportunity to be with my brother Thomas, and I believe that me and him are going to do some big things together. And I really respect what you do, brother. I mean. You know, it, it, you know when we get out, you know, everybody always says you can't forget those inside. And I feel like, you know, what me and you are doing right now, is a representation out there. It's going to take a lot of work, a lot of grunting, you know, I mean, a lot of labor, you know, to help these souls get saved. But, you know, I believe that you're part of the mission, man. And we just, you know, we can do this. Yeah. You know what I'm
0: saying? Ain't no question, man. You know, I, I appreciate that. I really do appreciate you, you saying those things, brother. And for me, it's, it's, It's just about truth. You know, I sit back and I watch a lot of these prison shows. These guys got these shows, man, and they're just false prophets. As anything else, you're always going to deal with false prophets. And these guys are out here collecting money from people under the pretense that they're doing things for prisoners, but they're exploiting the prison experience so they can get likes and subscribes and, and get a little bit of money. You know that way, and I, I don't like that. <clears throat> you know, and some of them never even been inside, bro. Some of them never been inside. They've been inside for a minute. They're trying to portray that they you know, they're hardened, hardened killing yeah. criminals. And and yeah, but man. the point of it is, is that they're taking the money, you know, exploiting all of this, and none of it is going back into it. You know, from these right. guys, they're just not doing. There is some, a few. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to Chad Marks, his his station you know, because he does a lot. He's gotten people out of prison, you know, blood on the razor wire, that's his show. And and that's what he does. So there are guys that are out there like me that are just trying to get the truth out of what goes on inside a prison. And then you have false prophets as well. So uh, it's it's more along the lines of, I just want people to know the truth, man, because, you know, there, there are innocent people that are locked away in prison. There are people that yeah. did charges and locked away in prison, but they got an exorbitant amount of time and they need to come home. The point is, is that we have to bring these guys home. A lot of people are in prison just because they had an, an addiction problem, a mental health problem. There's, 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 there's so much that we can do. And-, and-
1: and excuse me, Thomas, you know, you said that because, you know, there's this law they have, like, I know here in Georgia talking about rehabilitation before incarceration. And it's like, they don't not, they do, they only, they only let that law apply to certain people or they pick and choose or it's definitely the people who are paying for their good lawyers. You know what I'm sure. saying? Like, a, I mean, or these mental health courts and all that, which is really just to rig you to get back in anyway, because they know, like, you know, if, if, you know you're going to, just because of your mental health, you're not going to make the right decisions constantly you know and consistently um and but then the lack of resources are there and where you need to go and all that to be able to make sure your choices are better and smarter you know what i mean and so uh my my thing is now i want to bring awareness to that on any level that that god presents for me to be on these platforms i'm on you know shout out to bird World foundation because you know as far as everything that we're doing is is just to, to eliminate you know that suicide rate you know amongst those who serve the country and, and and their families that suffer with them you know what i mean um, and, and I mean, the first responders, you know, I, I thought about how I thought it was kind of funny. And now that I'm doing the groups for the people that tased me, and then I'm going to have to have the heart of forgiveness to be like, you know, you probably did that because even if you were a veteran, because of you have the mentality of that one, either whether you're racist or not, you know, I can't label that. I don't know that individual, but the fact that the violence streak in you allowed you to make it seem like it was okay to abuse your power. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and and then you and then on top of that, if you are racist, or being a black man was just an easy target. And you're probably pissed off you didn't kill me that night, but you're probably, you know, cool that you did it because ain't no telling what you're gonna do when you 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 hurt a child of God like me. I mean, I understand that. I understand how how favored I am. You know, I understand that I have a mission, and I, and I know that God's angels surround me, and and that and that and that, and anyone that you know, what I'm saying I'm connected to that we. You know, they're covered as well, you know, I pray for that, I pray for your covering or anyone that deals with me because he'll try to attack everybody of the movement. You know what I'm saying when it comes to bringing out truth and everything like that. but I'm willing to die for that. I'm willing to die for this truth, you know and,
0: and that's the thing you know you have people like um uh what's her name Candace Parker, I think her name is or or whatever it is, but you have these individuals out here. And, and they make a lot of good points and, and they're very educated people and they say a lot of educated things, but then sometimes they don't, you know, and you have a lot of people out there that are stuck on George Floyd and him being a criminal, you know, why are we praising a criminal? Why, why martyr a criminal and things of that nature? One, they're not understanding, you know, truly what, what that whole thing represented. And two, People seem to forget that God favored the criminal. God favored the prisoner, right? God, Jesus was always around these individuals because those were the ones that needed help. The ones that were saved were already saved. He didn't surround himself with saved people. He he surrounded himself with the people that needed him the most. And he understood that. He didn't judge them, right? He understood them that they were people that are filled with love. They're just misunderstood, you know? So why people wanna sit around and criticize and minimize our life experience or say that we're just not worth as much um, martyrism or as much uh, uh, love from other people because we're convicted criminals or we're drug abusers or things of that nature, right? We're, We're humans and we love and we want to be loved and we just have a hard time dealing with certain issues that others may not so mordecai man thank you for for opening your life um thank you for sharing these things we do have a lot of things coming you're, you're part of the team now brother you're on the free me team man Don't
1: free me you,
0: you know what i'm man. saying and 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 my mission is to unite America. My mission is to bring all of us together, just like how you and I came together and and joined up. My mission is to bring all of us together as as American citizens, understanding that we all have our own issues, our own experiences. And it's how can I help you with yours, brother? This is how you can help me with mine. How can I help you with yours? I don't have to agree with everything that you say. You know what I mean? I don't have to agree with everything that you say, but I still love you because you're a struggling human being. You're an American citizen. You've, you've, you went in to sacrifice your life for our freedom, right? And, and there's nothing else to say after that. Your ideologies, your personal, the way you want to live your personal life has no infliction on me. You know, it has none. So it's, it's just bringing all of this together loving one another and understanding that we have a common enemy and in order to take this common enemy down we have to be together you know we have to come together so this is why i do this partner you know this is why i do this so i appreciate you you know for blessing my channel with your story and coming on and um and i wish you many blessings man and we're gonna see much more of you yeah,
1: man, most definitely, bro. I appreciate you, man. This, this is, this is actually a very free feeling, you know. what I mean, cause
0: you know, all I want to do is share it. And... Hey, man, and I'm here for you. If you ever need more kind, of, and I'm saying this from the bottom of my heart, if you ever need a platform, you ever, you know, listen, Thomas, I, I, I need to talk. Let's go on live, or just talk to me personally. I'm here for you, partner. I really am.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Same here, bro. You know what I'm saying? It's it's, it's all good, man, for real. You know, same here, man. I I I think I thank God that right now, you know what I'm saying? I'm not working, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I have a job and it's just, you know, I gotta wear on this disability stuff, but it's been never the I've had more time to be able to connect with people and listen and, and share. And the the price of it is not in what I'm not even making, it, it's been that they can have a smile or they can release and, and be open and they and they know I relate, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not just sitting there just, you know, acting, I, I can really relate. And, you know, I really like connecting with people and, and really trying to understand how to help heal their heart by by letting them feel mine. So um, I, I appreciate this a lot, man. It means a whole lot to me and what I'm going through. This really makes me feel uh, more alive. And uh, the fact that my mother could watch me like this, <laughs> Mom Dukes, is, <laughs> is, is even more rewarding than anything, man. You know, I've always really wanted to make my mother proud too because she she has the right to see that. No question. She, had, she has a lot to do with why I'm here, and I know that she's gonna be a whole lot more I'm gonna do, and I pray that she just continue to live long enough to see me do bigger things than even just this. But I know now that she's proud of me, and I can I thank God for that.
0: Yeah, man, we're gonna buy Mom Dukes a house, man. We're gonna buy Mom Dukes oh, yeah, a house. Man. You know what I'm and saying? And a Mercedes to go with it, man. And a Mercedes will go with it, man. We're gonna do it, partner these are my yeah. goals and it ain't gonna stop because you know money breeds power and I understand that and 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 we need power to take down these individuals that is oppressing us man so and
1: and, and you know what I gotta say this you know I'm I'm proud of my mom man you know my mom's been through a lot mm-hmm. since my since her and my father divorced and I know we gotta go but I wanted, I wanted to say this that my mom coming up in July's. We got this District Eight President installation thing, ceremony of celebrating the position that she's been, you know, nominated for, and she's decided to take it on. She's been working in the auxiliary unit and everything with the American Legion for years. Um, you know, um, married to a warrior, you know, who's do they do a lot of things for the community, and 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 also the the fact that her One Faith One Love organization, which is non nonprofit as well. Um, and I know my mom's vision is to have, you know, like, uh, group homes mm-hmm. and, and, and then also, uh, her one elegance, one grace, uh, dot com. My mom's has very good apparel. She has a nice online store with good clothes and nice, nice classy, uh, you know, wear for men and women, mm-hmm. but to see her be able to walk into her entrepreneurship. She also does insurance as well, but, um. I'm just really proud of her rising above all that she went through, which was inspiration to just keep going as well. So I wanted to honor and just saying that my mom's doing wonderful and big things in Evansville, Indiana, all the way up through with Indianapolis, Indiana. And,
0: um, you know, that's a beautiful thing. you know. no question, man. Y'all go support moms, man. Give, give the, give the, the websites to her organization again.
1: Yes. Uh, uh, one elegance, one grace.com and uh, OneFaithOneLove.com as well. Her name is Diana Van Hooks, mm-hmm. and, you know, she's, she's you know, she'll clothe you, you know, with love, but she can also clothe you with wonderful apparel for men and women on her site. Great prices. Uh, I'm pretty sure she's still using that code called Worship, mm-hmm, which you give you 15% off. Uh, she got that from Brother Worship on my show, but yeah, a work, the code is WORSHIP, so you get 15% off on your whole entire purchase. You know, you go shop on the store whatnot and, and uh, take advantage of that. So, uh, you know, yeah, man, mom, I love you, and I, and I appreciate you, and I'm going to keep doing big things, you know, and I love you.
0: Yeah. Have faith, mom. We're going to do it. We're going to rise yeah. up.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right.
0: Mordecai, I see you again, partner you take care of man, be your best self partner, put smiles on people's face. But like I told you that day, right? Always remember, you come first. Mordecai comes first. Mordecai can't help people if Mordecai isn't helped. You understand what I'm saying? So each morning, what I tell you, do your affirmations in the morning, brother. Yeah. Have you looked yourself in the face and told yourself that you love you? Oh, oh yeah, definitely, bro, especially that cut, you know, I looked ah. in the mirror and I was like, man, what you handsome today, bro. That's you ego. Today, I'm man. not talking about ego. I'm not talking about ego. <laughs> you no,
1: know, I'm, I'm messing with you, bro, but no, I mean, you know, uh, I did look at myself in the mirror today and definitely, you know, told myself this was going to be a great show. I told myself that, you know, you are looking good, man. I mean, I, there was times, God, man, I couldn't even look at myself. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, ego aside most definitely, but I'm glad I can look at myself and say, Man, you you looking
0: healthy, man. Yeah. And that's right. and that's what we need to do every day, man. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay to get in there. Again, you're not looking at your, you know, and and I'm and I know you were just Jeffing, but right, you right. Know, it it's it's not okay to sit there and talk about how beautiful you are as you're shaping your beard or you know, you're putting on your, your mascara and things of that nature. It's Looking yourself in the eyes and seeing nothing physical, but looking in your pupils, right. looking deep into your soul and telling right, your right, soul right, that right, you right. love yourself. Right. You know what I mean? That's the difference. When you're looking at your features, talking about you love yourself, that's ego. When you're right, looking right, in your right, eyes and you're telling your spirit, your soul, you know, that you, you love who you are, that's God. And and always, always speak through God. So, Till the next time, brother, man. I love you. Take care, man. If you need me, I'm here for you, okay?
1: Bless, man. I appreciate you. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Free Me TV. Y'all keep supporting.